Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available. Built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 136 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And in today's episode, we want to talk about uh, two things. We have two issues we want to discuss. One is uh, coding for prehab, and the second is uh, doing a catheter, a straight catheter, and billing that for Medicare, billing Medicare Advantage for that. So we had a question come in, um, what code and and what's uh, what's happening because they're getting a denial. So, all right. Mark, Ray, anything you want to share before we get started? Not for me. I'm drawing a blank too. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Okay, so we had a, a question the other day come out, and it was, um, can you bill for prehab? So uh, some uh, a physician, a urologist was going to do a prostatectomy and was wondering if they could bill the, the, the prehab, the PT codes, prior to the surgery. Mark, you want to share what that what that looks like and uh, why they would do it and can they do it? So um, I guess the, I mean, in the end there, they have, there are some initial studies out there that from what I understand that if the patient is in better shape um, before they actually go into surgery, they recover more quickly. Um, so I've, I've heard this from a few different uh, docs um, that they they would like to get patients getting ready for a prostatectomy um, to start with some physical therapy to build up their muscles so that they can recover quicker and have fewer complications after the surgery is over. Um, and so, um, can they do it? Of course, they can do it. The problem is um, coverage. <laughs> so. It depends yes. on who's going to pay, right? Um, so, you know, the the way Medicare is set up, um, and a lot of the private payers have followed suit, is insurance is really built 
to deal with problems. And there are only a few things that Medicare covers that are preventive. Um, the PSA being one of them, uh, screening colonoscopy, you're welcome to Medicare physical. Uh, they do cover a, a, a screening uh, ultrasound to look for uh, the potential of, uh, of an aneurysm. Um, and uh, they do cover prostate checks, and, and, and but they do not cover uh, preventive or prehab, if you will, those things that are provided to a patient um, that, especially within the physical therapy realm, are not specifically prescribed to a patient who does not yet technically have an issue that that physical therapy would uh, be directed towards. So essentially we, we, we know that they're, you know, regardless at this point in time of how well the patient would do in that recovery setting based on that pre-service work, uh, Medicare is not set up to pay for that. Now, you know, over time with more research and uh, more outcomes and more standardization of care, that might come into play. But right now, that is not a covered service within Medicare. And therefore, a lot of your private payers will follow suit. But I would check with them to see if that's a possibility. Because in the end, you know, the goal is saving the system money. Um, and certainly, as we've all known for years and years, patient comfort is not necessarily a driver for any insurance issues. It's all about problem-directed care. So, um, unfortunately, we don't have a good way for that to get paid for by the insurance company. Um, now, whether or not the patient would agree to something like this is a different issue. And and if you are going to talk to your patients about this and you would like to charge the patients for these services, um, I would recommend an ABN, um, you know, advanced beneficiary notice. I, you know, technically it is a non-covered service uh, because it is preventative in nature or it's not problem oriented in its overall coverage. So an ABN may not be required for this circumstance, but because Medicare covers for covers physical therapy um, for problem-directed care, it's it's a good idea to get that advanced beneficiary notice. And the ABN, as you know, needs to be signed for each visit. Um, it needs to be specific for the treatment that's there, and it needs to clearly outline that the patient will be responsible for payment um, relative to those services. So you want to make sure that you do have that in place and you talk to your patient because um, at the way things are set up right now, that is not a covered service. Now, what if uh, now you'd mentioned there there is a circumstance where you possibly could bill for prehab, but that you have to have an underlying condition, right? That, as I understand it, that if you are going to go PT prior to surgery and they have an underlying condition, then that is a covered service. Well, yeah. So if you're if the patient's getting PT because they have a problem, 
then yes, that that's a covered service. So I I don't think you can label that prehab or you know that's the you know really you're do, you're labeling that as treatment. So you know ultimately the way Medicare determines whether or not that service is covered is based on the diagnosis codes. So if the if it was medically necessary to treat that patient for that disease state and physical therapy was the treatment of choice, it would be covered. Yes, but um, not as a straight prehab issue. So um, just want to be clear on that, that, you know, even though the di- you could come up with the diagnoses to sail that through, you want to make sure that if they're looking at the record on the back end, that you you actually were doing that procedure for an identified problem, and it was the appropriate treatment. Ray? Yeah, to agree with Mark 100% in a little more basic way, uh, if you look at the original Medicare law, it was set up to diagnose and treat a disease process. So anything that is over and above, like the preventive, has had to have new legislation to do. And and Medicare Advantage and, of course, private can add things to that so they could be talked into paying, but the original Medicare definitely could not pay for treatment of anything that's not diagnosis or treatment. All right. We, uh, we had a question come in via email. And it said, we are having an issue with Blue Cross Blue Shield Medicare Advantage, claiming we are using 51701 inappropriately. I was not aware there were other codes for passing a straight catheter. But I was brought, but it was brought to our attention that we should be using P9612. Have you guys run into this before? Any guidance you can offer in clarification of the use of 5172? When I was looking into P9612, is also implying taking the urine sample from an indwelling SPT or Foley, not necessarily the act of placing the disposable straight catheter in the patient to collect the sample. What are your thoughts? All right. So let's go to the definition. P9612 says catheterization for collection of specimen, single patient, all places of service. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure where that implication is that you're collecting from an indwelling SB2 or, or Foley. I mean, it does say catheterization. And the P9612 um, was put in place by Medicare specifically for circumstances where the catheterization is is done to get a specimen. I mean, that's that's kind of where that fits. So if, you know, and a lot of times we see this with um, a number of, say, female patients that maybe you had a, a UA come back positive. We're worried a little bit about the, the, uh, the contamination of it, uh, not from the urine itself. And so instead of using avoided uh, sample, you would then catheterize the patient and collect a sample to to then run. 
to see if there is was in fact an infection um, or a urinary tract infection. So um, that that's pretty clear. And you know, P nine six one two is nobody's favorite code because it doesn't pay very well. Um, but importantly, understanding the difference between five one seven zero one and P nine six one two. Um, you would also look at the the definition of 51701, which is insertion of a non-indwelling bladder catheter, e.g. straight catheterization for residual urine. So if you are, in fact, checking a residual urine or you're relieving retention that patient needs a, a straight cath, um, then 51701 is appropriate. But if you, the, the main reason for the catheterization is to collect a urine sample, then the P9612 is in fact the correct code. The other thing that you might want to understand about these two codes um, is the P9612 is actually a laboratory code. So it doesn't have RVUs assigned to it. It's based on the, the fee schedule a little bit differently. Um, and the second thing is, um, <clears throat> it, uh, it doesn't have a global period. Um, it's, it's an XXX. So it is technically a laboratory code, um, top to bottom. And that's as opposed to the 51701, which does have RVUs assigned to it. It is part of the physician fee scale schedule, and it does have a global, um, and it does pay better. We might as well mention as well. So they, there is a use <clears throat> and a requirement in Medicare that you use the most specific code. So um, it sounds like from the issue that we got in the email that uh, unfortunately the, advan the Medicare Advantage plan was correct that that P9612 was the more appropriate code, um, but I don't know from what you said in the email or what was said in the email, whether or not there was a check of residual urine or some other reason for the catheterization, and they collected a sample. So that one would fall under the 51701. So you wouldn't bill both together, um, but if it's just for a urine sample, P9612 is the right way to go. Ray, thoughts on that? Yeah, and and her the question was a little bit uh, uh, confusing in several ways, uh, but the bottom line is, as Mark said, if the intent of the catheterization was to collect a specimen of urine, and this is Medicare, you should be using the P nine six one two. And when they first uh, uh, brought this code into active uh, use, that was something they checked on, and you were really supposed to use it. I guess Mark says that people have been ignoring it in, in the past few years. But if the intent is to collect a specimen urine for Medicare, it is the P9612. But if your intent is to uh, do a residual urine or anything else, then you would go with the 51701. 
And Mark, do you know what's happening with private payers or any of them pushing for the P code? So <clears throat> a few of the Medicare Advantage plans, obviously, and then those commercials that have the Medicare Advantage plan occasionally pop it through, but I haven't seen it as a big um, or separate issue. Um, so uh, it's not a big one on the radar, but I've seen it on occasion, but most of it is really tied to uh, Medicare and Medicare Advantage. So, so if you're with a Medicare Advantage and you're getting away with the 51701, there is a possibility of take back. Is that, would that be your reading? There is. If they decided to uh, go chasing after some small dollars. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's the, the 51701 is, is not a huge paying code. So it's probably not a big target in the take back world. Um, but it's, it is probably likely if you're starting to see it pop up as a denial that, uh, Somebody finally figured out um, how to put it in to the uh, automated editor. So, so, so I have a question. Um, how would you know that that code existed other than running across it or hearing it in a podcast or because um, you're not, you know, the first instinct is not to go to HickPicks and try and find a code that fits your fits the you know the to, to find a code that fits your scenario you're you're starting out in cpt and that's kind of where you spend most of your time how do you know this exists like stuff like this exists uh payer bulletins um nerds coding <laughs> nerds <laughs> as smart yeah smart <laughs> well that's well and that's uh you know that's why you got to have the alerts right and yeah. pay attention to these things okay well so it's not just me <laughs> no but you're you thinking you're not smart. a coding nerd yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes well i i was looking at this and i'm thinking I just, you know, until we brought it up and uh, had this question come up, and we also had it, we had it come up twice in one week. So, uh, so we, we, you know, once we start seeing something come up a couple of times, that's when we we want to cover it uh, because something out there is is moving it to the to the forefront. So, so uh, well, Scott, if you'd have started your journey twenty years ago, well, that would have been. Uh, very much a part of your teaching. <laughs> Very true. Yes, I'm missing some of those uh, some of those things that have been around for a long time. All right. Well, I will uh, remind you that our urology coding compliance and educate education network is open and ready to be registered for. In that, we cover stuff like this. We put out alerts that, that have this information in there, and uh, we want to keep you up to date. We want to help every practice do the best it can and, and be the best it can. Not only uh, 
maximizing income but saving time, giving you peace of mind, and helping combat burnout. So that's what uh, getting getting all this stuff and really being proficient and having the whole team proficient. That's what you can you could achieve with this. So we do encourage you to join us. Uh, you can go to the episode page, prsnetwork.com forward slash 136 for episode 136. And uh, we do want to thank ModMed for sponsoring uh, this podcast. So we thank them. And if you want to go to modmed.com forward slash PRS Network, you can check it out. They do offer some specials for uh, our podcast listeners. All right. Let's go around. Final thoughts. Uh, Mark. Yeah, so, you know, uh, as we, we've we seen from time to time, you know, payers go back in and tune up things. Um, there are a lot of their automated pieces that are there. And as they start to see patterns, um, you'll see them, you know, tighten up their general coding rules as they move through everything. So it's not uncommon to see something like a P9612 issue pop its head up after it's been you know, relatively quiet for a few years. And and usually we do see it come in waves and multiple questions because that means somebody somewhere made a change in the back end and all the payers got it from a vendor. And so it proliferates. Um, and then, of course, as we also know, um, the the pace at which medicine and clinical care evolves is far faster than that which the payers evolve. Um, so, you know, when we look at, at prehab or, you know, some of the work that's done to, to that we learn about going forward that is better patient care, it does take a while for that to percolate down into the payers. And, of course, they're going to drag their feet as long as they can to avoid covering those things um, until somebody shows them Number one, that it works clinically, and number two, that it makes better sense to their bottom line. So, um, those are things we'll you'll have to watch in your private pec, uh, payer side. But some of the things that we're up against with Medicare are because the system was designed in a specific manner, and you know we have the same issue or have had the same issue with telehealth with Medicare that the system was really wasn't built to handle telemedicine. You know, obviously we've got a, a, a two-year window where we're going to see telehealth continue even after we see the the public health emergency expire. But boy, it does tell us that sometimes it takes a full-blown catastrophe to make anything move in that Medicare system. So we've got it. So we take advantage of those things and hopefully we'll see Medicare continue to move forward, but it is not a fast moving ship. It is just a big old boat moving down the road and in autopilot. Ray. Yes. And, and you know, the, the payer probably hired some older coder to look at things that remembered the P code or somebody knew that went back and reviewed all kinds of old, uh, old uh, memos and and probably what we're seeing but the other thing is i just like to emphasize uh, scott's uh discussion on the network 
we've been doing this teaching and trying to improve practices for many, many years, and finally have come up with a a system we now have proven that works, and it includes education. And what we're talking about is the education above and beyond CPC and basic knowledge we get from using our EMRs, CPT, and ICD-10, but really learning the concepts and how to uh, evaluate real-life situations and come up with the proper codes. And in addition, uh, the uh, audits that help to check to see exactly uh, where you are and it identifies misconceptions as well as our quizzes do so you can really learn what you want to learn and need to know. And then the continuing education, bringing up all that's going on with payers and so forth. Because we really would like to raise the level of urology back to where we used to be a leader in coding and billing many years ago, and now we're in the middle of the pack, and we want to change that. And last but not least, if we get more people involved, more people asking questions, and more people alerting us to what's happening with payers that we can share with everybody we can beat this payer game. At least we can keep them from playing games with us. So we'd like to have you join us. Yes, we would. All right. With that, uh, we'll wrap it up here in in this episode. Uh, Take us out, Ray. Happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juice Reap.